submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this podcast, Are You a Fan of the Dark? Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Are You a Fan of the Dark? I'm Dale. And I'm Jody. This week we are revisiting The Tale of the Twisted Claw. Well, first and foremost, let's start like we always do. Let's talk about what we remember about this episode. For me, all I know is that it's based on the monkey's paw. That's really all I remember. (laughs) I've remembered a little bit more about this particular episode. In that, I now remember that there is a creepy old lady who lives in a creepy old house that is somehow the main point of this episode. It's very dark very gothic, and that it ends with toying with the two kids who screwed with her. That is about it. That seems to be kind of a common theme with Are You Afraid of the Dark is, uh, here's an old person, don't trust them. Also, don't screw with them. In general, respecting other people is a good way to not be in one of these stories. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) Go back and kick that kid from laughing in the dark square in the jaw every time. Yeah. Anywho. (laughs) Well, since that's really all we have to say about that at this time, shall we move on to this week's retro sponsor? (gasps) A Trix Lovers Club. Disguised as a member, I might get some. (laughs) I'm in. Here, kids, have some tricks. It's a fruity part of a complete breakfast. Mmm, raspberry red, orangey orange, fruit flavor in every bite. But first, huh? the secret handshake. The what? But I, I got it. It's the rabbit. Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. And for even more fruity fun, you can get fruit stripe gum. One pack free in mark boxes of tricks. This week's retro sponsor is Tricks. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids. It's not a silly rabbit. That rabbit is much more intelligent than all of those children combined. (laughs) Did you ever eat tricks when you were a kid? Oh, God. Let's see. Did I ever enjoy putting malto meal fruity corn flakes in my mouth that were covered with different sugars and fruit flavorings? Yeah, I could say that's happened at least once or 18,000 times. That sounds more like fruity pebbles than tricks. It could, but they're very similar. One's just a much bigger version of the other. (laughs) Pretty much. uh, I never really had tricks because my family didn't eat name brand stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I I know I had it at my cousin's house. I always had this kind of stuff at my cousin's house. And back in the 90s, tricks was actually shaped like fruit. Yeah, there wasn't actually a period of time where that was the case. Uh, They weren't the way to make a nice little banana, limes, and orange-shaped fruits. <laughs> they never made grape. That's a cop-out. It's just a big sphere either way. No, the grape actually looked like a bunch of grapes. Oh, did they? Yes. I just put it in my mouth, okay? I don't remember <laughs> these things. I was a small child. So, what? unfortunately, we don't have the classic tricks. We have the new tricks, which are just, you know, the colored balls. They so. got lazy. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> just opening up the box. This is going to be exciting. Oh, they look really small. You know, after you take off the packaging, a lot of things are much smaller than you think they would be. You stop that. (laughs) Okay, kids, prepare for loud noise as we clink into a glass bowl. They're definitely not as brightly colored as I remember, and there's no green. Yeah, this is actually a very disappointing Trix box. (laughs) What flavors do we have? Can I have the box? There you go. Thank you. Figure out what flavors there are. Uh, There's Naturally, flavor sweetened corn puffs. There's pink, purple, orange, and yellow. I am somewhat sad that it actually does say naturally fruit flavored sweetened corn puffs with other natural flavors, because that tells me that corn is the flavor that they are now trying to feature. It is corn flavored. 
That is just depressing in many fashions. It smells fruity. Smell it. Yeah, I'll get right on though. I'm adding the milk. Shut it up. does not give a flavor list anymore. It's fruit flavor. Shh. It's just fruit flavor. It's just fruit flavor. <laughs> what a letdown. Ah, oh, all right. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess I'll try it first. Put it in your mouth and eat it. Oh yeah, listen to that. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> Wet, crunchy tentacles. Uh, no tentacles. Oh, it does smell nice, though. I will say it does smell very familiar. I taste like Fruit Loops. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think all the fruit-flavored cereal tastes like fruit-ish. <laughs> yep. Despite the lack of lime spheres, that is exactly the taste I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. Hello, childhood. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that... Fruit cereal flavor is very, very oh, distinct. Oh, God. And at the same time, hello, childhood, my mouth tastes mm. horrible now. <laughs> yep. I think I ate off... I, was there off-brand tricks? Oh, yeah. I uh, guarantee. There was off-brand Fruit Loops, off-brand tricks, off-brand Honey Smacks, off-brand whatever. So it tastes like sugar. It tastes fruity at first. And then there's this really amazing aftertaste of acid and cloying stuck to the back of your throat. Something that's not pleasant in any fashion. <laughs> it's a very specific flavor that will transport you back to your childhood. Provided you ate these during your childhood. Yes, that's true. If you had it, sorry. Look, the milk isn't even changing color. Oh, yeah, it you need at least like... color. Well, not at the first. You need like 10 minutes or so on the bowl. It used to change like pink almost instantly, from what I remember. Maybe the dyes are less effective. I am sad for my green shapes missing, though, because I enjoyed the lime flavor, if only <laughs> for the really stark contrast in colors at that point. So, overall consensus? They're okay. That's disappointing to me. <laughs> They're edible. I don't remember this aftertaste when I was a kid, but bear in mind I was a kid at that point. <laughs> also, the color palette in these is just not as... Uh, enticing as i remember no it's not but oh well however this might be slightly more halloween theme which should tie in very nicely with the actual episode we're about to watch speaking of let's get to it the tale of the twisted claw originally premiered october 31st 1990 in canada but we in the u.s didn't get it until september 12th 1992 and it's really important because the whole flavor of the episode is very different because this was the actual pilot america didn't treat it like that they i think they wanted to release it maybe a little bit closer to halloween i'm not entirely sure but the episode was written by chloe brown and it was directed by dj McHale. So this one is also really different. You can tell it's the pilot because they have absolutely no opening credits, no opening anything. It just goes straight into the episode. It's really weird because it opens on this kid laying in bed. He's facing the camera and his back is to his closet door. And his eyes open and he goes, oh no, not again. <laughs> yeah, and some smoke starts billowing out from under the closet door and the door starts slowly opening this thing starts stalking towards him out of the smoke <laughs> this dark hooded reaper-esque man uh dressed in horrible black rags <laughs> yeah comes stalking out of the smoke from the closet door the kid wakes up enough to realize that's the case he shoots out of bed and screams in a loud manner and then wakes up again uh in the morning says ah oh, hate that dream only to find that the black shrouded figure has not disappeared 
He turns over and it's standing right there. Then all of a sudden, the scene just departs. And we cut to the Midnight Society, who is berating Eric for not having a full story. What happens next, Eric? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yep, I'll tell you all next week. And everybody's like, oh, that's, that's so lame. Trash. <laughs> I mean, some are excited because they're like, ooh, a cliffhanger. But everybody's disappointed because apparently, thus far through the evening, nobody has told a full story. Eric's epic defense, of course, is, I don't see any of you guys jumping forward with a story. To which David responds, ah, but I do have a tale. I thought it was pretty interesting, and it's obvious that this is out of sequence to the rest of the episodes because the episode that we just watched was also David's tale. Right before David begins this new episode, Kristen marks that he hasn't told a story in a while, but we have just, again, the last episode as him actually telling the tale. (laughs) I've been working on this one. It's ready. Go for it, Dave. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story The Tale of the Twisted Claw. So David brings in his introduction. He doesn't say much other than it's the night before Halloween and that it's mischief night, which automatically made me think of the crow. So the scene shows a bunch of kids being assholes, basically. They're doing ding-dong ditch. They're running up and spraying shaving cream on cars. They're teepeeing trees. Two boys specifically. Kevin and Dougie. They're basically getting screamed at and they're running around the neighborhood wreaking havoc and they decide to go up to the spooky old Victorian house that's rumored to be the witch's house. Kevin quickly, being the braver of the two, tells Dougie, Okay, come on, man. You don't want to be a chicken. Let's go and let's go take care of this house. We'll be legends. Yeah, so they sneak up to the front of the house and, in my normal way, was very distracted by... (laughs) Kevin's terrible hat. He's wearing this very early 90s neon (laughs) pattern hat that matches his neon pattern shirt. And all I could think was, why are you sneaking around trying to pull these pranks on people wearing such recognizable clothing? (laughs) And this will slightly play into what happens next. But on a side note, I actually had a jacket back in the day. It was made out of whatever material that hat was made out of. Some sort of nylon that has a bunch of lines on it. The jacket I had was actually map of the U.S. highways. (laughs) Both the hat and the jacket had glow-in-the-dark. So, and, And the hat, in this case, also has random patches of glow-in-the-dark paint. His hat is literally glowing. Yeah, I had really terrible day glow clothing as a kid, too. I had acid wash jeans and, you know, neon-colored scrunchies. All that beautiful stuff. Anyway, Kevin is... He's definitely the asshole of the two. Yes. He's more the asshole than Dougie. I mean, they're both kind of assholes, but Kevin is literally stalking up to the door with this can of shaving cream held out in front of him. They literally get up to the top step, and right as he raises the can of shaving cream towards the door, it magically opens, and there's Mrs. Clove, an older lady known as the witch, and he sprays the shaving cream directly into her face. Yeah, they're just assholes and they spray her in the face and she starts screaming and she falls backwards and she knocks over this vase in her house and it breaks this is not cool guys this is assault you would get arrested for this shit this isn't some fun little childhood prank oh it's the 90s that's what all the kids back then do oh my god those kids would be in a cop car in five seconds now yes oh (laughs) and rightfully the boys run off because they're scared of what might happen and poor miss clove is like getting up off the floor 
car and she's obviously pissed and she's wiping the shaving cream off her face because it's blinded her. She watches the boys run away and then she randomly starts cackling. <laughs> she's got a screw loose somewhere. She's very amused. <laughs> to the next day which is halloween and it shows the boys getting ready to go out trick-or-treating uh, mainly by showing dougie trying to be a horrible monster to his parents in costume this time not just a normal child to which falls completely flat as his dad just asks did you eat all of your dinner <laughs> you finish your dinner you can at least pretend Grant used to pretend to be scared <laughs> I don't even know what his costume is. It's just a weird mask and a white sheet. Yep. Like, it's not even a ghost. It's not really a monster. Uh, he went as ugly for Halloween. Oh, okay. He went as ugly. <laughs> now, this actually makes sense as we're introduced to Dougie again and his costume, which is a bum. I think it's foreseeing his future. Oh, um, as far as we know, he is a bum and this is not <laughs> a costume. He just actually lives out of Dougie's house. They're going and getting all their treats and whatnot and then they kind of wander past the witch's house. Kevin gets the genius idea of, hey, we should totally go to the witch's house. And Dougie's like, are you insane after what we did to her last <laughs> night? It's not like we were walking in there with our faces uncovered, wearing a dayglow hat with <laughs> <laughs> that would easily make us marked as other people. And oh, by the way, you're not wearing anything on your face, Kevin, and I'm going to take my mask off when we talk to her. Yeah. This couldn't possibly go badly. <laughs> Kevin convinces Dougie to go so that they'll be legendary at school or whatever. They go up to the door and they knock. The door slightly creaks open and the boys are like, Trick or treat. The most boring, blasé, gun to their head, uh, if I have to, way possible. <laughs> yeah. And Mrs. Clove is kind of peeking out, and she's like, trick or treat? Trick. Oh. And then she gets kind of happy and cute, but still a little creepy as she opens her door entirely. And she's like, you're the only kids that have come here tonight. You're the only kids that have ever visited me on Halloween. I think all the kids think this house is haunted. Ha 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 ha. And she invites the boys into the house. And they're standing there in the foyer. Where the broken vase is still prominently on display on the floor. <laughs> so Mrs. Clove is like, well, let me look at your costumes. And she's looking at them and she's like, oh, yes, very nice, very nice. You know what? Since you boys have been the only ones to visit me, I want to give you a very special treat. And she leaves the room. When she returns, she has in her possession an odd box, about the size of a cigar box. And when she opens it up, it plays off a delicate music and reveals... It's a vulture's claw. Don't worry, it's not real. It's made of wood. <laughs> Something special for two very special boys. What is it? It's the claw of a vulture. Ew. <laughs> it isn't real. It's made of wood. They say it's charmed, and whoever has it will get three wishes. Yeah? The boys are very disgusted by it. She goes on to explain that it's a very special thing because it can grant three wishes. Is that three wishes 
between us or three wishes for each of us? And she figures that it's for three wishes apiece. The boys don't really want it, but... In fact, they outright say, I'll opt for the candy. Uh, can we just have that and go? To which she quickly says, no, you must take it. I, I won't hear anything else. And all the while, while she has this box open, there's this little music in the background. And I recognized it because of Tombstone of all things. <laughs> It's the music that's actually playing in the background when Josephine is performing in the theater, and it's a song known as Dance Macabre. I think eventually Kevin just winds up taking the claw. Dougie wants really nothing to do with it, and they go to leave. Outside of the gates, as they chat back and forth about it, it is Dougie who finally just says, Well, I wish we could just go home and lose this stupid trick-or-treating. He feels a really odd shake from the claw, which he uh, promptly exclaims about weirdness, and continue on their way. Yeah, because they've been arguing whether or not this thing actually worked. Dougie makes this wish. They wind up rounding a corner. All of a sudden, there's a gang of teenagers. <laughs> this horrible bicycle gang. So a bunch of these teenagers, like five of them, I think, totally rocking the 90s punk look with their cut-off sleeve jackets, random chain attachments, the bandanas just worn on the arms or the legs, and the, the short crew cuts that are just spiked with a little bit of gel. Teenagers start circling the boys and, like, threatening them, making fun of them, and they try and take the kids' candy. Kevin actually starts fighting back. Teenagers are like, well, give us the damn candy or you're not going to live to eat it. They get the candy away from the kids and the boys are like, well, shit, and they run away so they don't get their asses beat. <laughs> uh, worth pointing out, it's actually Kevin who pushes one of the bullies uh, backwards and makes them fall over their own bicycles. Uh, he does lose his candy bag in the process, but as the boys run off and hide, again, it is worth noting that it was Dougie that made the wish to lose all of the stupid Halloween BS, but he's also the one that managed to keep his candy bag out of the whole <laughs> issue. <laughs> and teenagers uh, hop on their bikes to chase after the boys who the have run... bicycle gang. <laughs> the boys have run behind a set of bleachers and jumped in some trash cans to hide. As you do. Um, so they avoid the bullies. I think they wind up getting home safe and it just forwards to the next day and the boys are at school where they're talking about not so much the events of last night but rather the hope that the boss actually does work because there's another kid uh over there named bostic bostic has been winning the 600 meter dash and kevin really wants to win he's good he's just not that good yeah he <laughs> wants to show bostic up real real bad so he takes the claw, and he wishes that he would beat Bostic and win the race. Well, circumstances continue. Uh, next shot is them out on the training field. As the race queues up to go, Dougie gives Kevin a quick high five and a bro chest bounce and says, All right, man, go get him. And the race starts. And it's a wonderful 90s montage because they have every element you could want from a kid's show in this. They have the token kid in a wheelchair. There's mullets everywhere. There is a fabulous music score in the background while this race is going on. It's all guitars. Very dun 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 Kind of. It's a lot more hardcore than that, but it's, it's, it's pretty true. sweet. <laughs> this was like the ultimate race scene on a very, very poor budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They actually keep on it for a while. 
Dougie is watching Kevin in the race, he looks behind him at this tree that's behind him, and he hears growling. Very strange animal growling. As Bostick and Kevin start rounding the corner, coming back towards where Dougie's at, the camera pans back over to Dougie, and then to the tree, and from behind the tree, out comes running a very sizable black dog. I believe it is actually a German Shepherd, but a black German Shepherd. And it runs across the field straight at Bostick. <laughs> uh, Dougie watches as the dog runs out from behind the tree and actually dashes in front of Bostick, which distracts him, and then he trips and falls. Dog runs off and is not to be seen anymore. <laughs> Kevin bounces, literally jumps over Bostick, and crosses the finish line first place. Meanwhile, Dougie is freaking the fuck out and runs up to Kevin. And he's like, no, you don't understand. You won because of the dog. Don't you see the dog? But again, the dog is nowhere to be seen. And... Honestly, Kevin doesn't give a shit. He's like, I won. Nur. Nope, I won. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see a dog. Everything's just fine. We're good. We're good. I won. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's not that simple because they look over to where Bostick fell and everybody circled around him. He's holding his knee and he's like, oh, my leg, my leg. <laughs> and the coach is like, go tell somebody to call an ambulance. They haven't even looked at the kid's leg, and I can't remember who says something. Like, somebody's like, is he okay? And the coach is like, nobody's okay with a broken leg. How do you know the kid's leg is broken? You haven't even looked at it. Again, I would have actually preferred if the dog just totally ripped into Kevin's ankle, or sorry, Bostick's ankle, and dragged him down into the ground. That's what I was actually thinking was going to happen. That would have been awesome. (laughs) I was actually kind of hoping that would happen, because I started writing it as it was happening, and I'm like, oh my god, is that dog going to attack that kid? But no, I think uh, Mikhail probably wanted that to happen, but he had to scale it back a little bit. (laughs) What do you mean it's a kid's show? (laughs) All right. Just as a general point of reference, black dogs are actually typically known for being symbols of calamity or bad circumstance in much folklore. So this was also a uh, another pun, basically, uh, of bad things happening and that bad things would continue to happen. I think anybody that's read Harry Potter would know that. <laughs> Serious? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> the scene changes again, and it's the kids at the campfire being like, oh, I see, I see. Whenever these children make a wish, it backfires on them because it does something bad to give them what they want. I would like to point out, it is specifically Kiki. Good old Kiki. <laughs> no <laughs> Master kid. of the obvious Kiki. No nonsense Kiki. <laughs> Who claims that? So they've each spent a wish, and bad things happened. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kiki doesn't take anybody's shit. But they continue the story. The boys now are in probably Dougie's room. They are back in Dougie's house, and Kevin has brought over his new medal for winning the 600-meter dash. And Dougie is like, hey, dude, seriously, there's some bad shit happening. I mean, think about what happened last night when we got mugged, more or less. And Bullies now... tried to beat you up, stole your candy. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> now you won the race, but Bostick got hurt because of it. Black dog took out a boy's leg. Sound familiar? <laughs> Kevin gives no fucks. He doesn't think it's the, the claw. Dougie starts saying that we should tell somebody that we should tell his parents uh, that they should tell kevin's parents presumably those people actually exist um that they should tell someone about what happened they should reveal that they broke the vase and that everything would be okay and kevin being the spiteful asshole that he is says man i just wish your parents would disappear yeah he's like i wish you'd just lose your folks yeah <laughs> and right after he says that dougie's telephone rings <laughs> so I actually amused it. There's just a little five seconds where Dougie's looking at Kevin and just goes, did it shake? Kevin's, yeah. Oh, that means you made a wish. <laughs> yeah. 
just like so over this. Like, damn it, Kevin. Gosh. Yeah, and then the phone rings, and Dougie goes and picks it up. And Lieutenant Crothers is on the phone. Starts to tell them their parents have been taken to the hospital due to a really horrible car wreck. And Dougie hangs up. He screams, no! (laughs) And then he starts yelling at Kevin, like, you made a fucking wish, you asshole. Now my parents have been in an accident. What did you do? God, I wish Gramps was here. He'd know what to do. And then, of course, the claw shivers once more. And they all run to the window to look outside where a large black car is pulling up. As Kevin looks over at Dougie and says, Uh, Dougie, your grandpa's been dead for years now. (laughs) Slowly, it keeps bouncing back and forth between the boys in the house and the car on the street. Kevin is freaking out because now he's starting to think, Okay, this claw really is doing something, and if Dougie just kind of summoned his grandfather from beyond beyond the grave, we're going to be seeing a ghost or a skeleton any moment now. We need to make this shit stop. So they are having a fight over the claw. They are trying to get it away from one another, where Dougie is like, we need to do something about this, and Kevin is like, I'm going to wish it away. I'm going to wish your grandpa away. I don't want to see a ghost. I don't want to see a fucking ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> they, I think it's Dougie knocks it out of Kevin's hands, and there's a really great shot of the two struggling and wrestling against each other as they crawl across this rug on the floor, each Mm -hmm. reaching for the claw, trying to get ahead of each other. Until Dougie uh, manages to get a hold of it. Meanwhile, you keep seeing these interstitials of something getting out of the car from its point of view, and walking up to Dougie's house's door, and then ringing the doorbell. And when the doorbell rings, Dougie has the claw, and Kevin is like, wish it away. Please wish it away. (laughs) And Dougie says, I'm sorry we broke the vase. (laughs) I wish it had never happened. Instead, correctly thinking that if they solve the issue from the first place and just remove their uh, the horrible action they had taken against Miss Clove, that things might go okay. Wish it away, Dougie, please! No, I'm gonna make the wish we should have made from the start. We're sorry we broke Miss Clove's vase, and we wish it never, ever happened. In a weird, mystical light show, the claw disappears and fades from existence. They look at each other asking, is everything okay? But then the doorbell rings again. Kevin is convinced, oh no, we're going to see a gross zombie or something. The boys... Don't open it, Dougie. Yeah. I have to. They go to answer the door and they open it and... They're waiting. Is Kevin's mother and father... Sorry. No, that was a lie. (laughs) They don't exist. No, it's actually Dougie's parents. Dougie's mother is ringing the doorbell because, of course, the dad forgot the keys. And they're fine. And Dougie's like, oh my god, you're okay. And he hugs his mom. And he's like, yeah, we're okay. Uh, there was, We almost got sideswiped by a truck. But other than that, we're just fine. We were just down at the Morrisons. Yep, and they go upstairs to get changed or whatever, saying that they're going to come back down soon to get some ice cream. And they decide to look out the window. The car that they had seen pull up with supposedly ghost grandpa is gone. As they kind of walk away from the window, they start considering to themselves, what just happened? Dougie says, Kevin, uh, check your pockets, which Kevin does, and his medal's gone. Kevin isn't sure what the heck that means, and Dougie explains, well, we never broke the vase, so none of this happened. Right. You never won the race because Bostick totally kicked your ass, and those bullies weren't there. And basically everything is okay now, so they never had the twisty claw in the first place. Which, of course, makes it all the more weird when the doorbell rings again. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep. They go over to the door, slowly open it, hesitantly looking outside, and not seeing anything. Then they look down, where the vase that they had broken is whole and intact on their doorstep, with a note on top of it. Dougie picks up the note. Kevin is like, well, what does it say? They reveal it, and it just says, trick or treat. As the scene fades, David's voice 
voice takes over, talking about the only sound is the wind through the trees, or is it perhaps the cackle of a witch? <laughs> you have a shot of Mrs. Clove's beautiful old house with the door slowly closing and the cackling of an old woman. <laughs> with that, it cuts once more back to the Midnight Society, laughing, uh, happy that they finally got a complete story for once in the night. Yeah, they're all completely transfixed by this. They're all speechless at the end of it. Gary. <laughs> Good old glasses Gary, telling everyone pleasant dreams as he pours the water down on the fire, ending the meeting. And so that was the tale of the Twisted Claw. What'd you think of it? I still thought it was pretty kidsy, personally. And while I do agree that there are some definitely are darker themes in here, the revisiting of death, uh, the grandfather coming back in here, is, is always a horrifying, both for realistic circumstance, like I would never want to run into a zombie in my own house, mm -hmm. but also a metaphorical that you have to deal with death arriving at some point, and that is a, a very adult thing to have to deal with, whether or not you want to. Well, oh. It's more than that, too. It's more than just death. It's, it's basically getting rid of magical thinking. So that the kids have to come to realize for every action there is a consequence. Mm. And there is no easy solution to anything. You can't cut any corners. If you do, it might have terrible consequences. With those terrible consequences, the very real consequences of things like the bullies. Or, I want to win, and I'll take the easy route. And that involves breaking other people's legs. Yep. Thank you, Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> um, you know, those kind of things are... are yeah, very adult things to have to come to terms with. That's part of what makes us adults. And then, of course, the stop being an asshole, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go fix the problems. Don't go freaking sneaking out in the middle of the night and throwing shaving cream into somebody's face so that they yeah. break everything in their own house. Don't assault old ladies in their home. How about that? <laughs> Especially if they're witches. Way bad idea. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was a pretty good one. It it had some good morals. Terrible child acting. I think the big moral of these these first uh, four stories, at least, has been don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to this week's recommended screaming. For this week's recommended screaming, since this story was based off of, obviously, the monkey's paw, I am going to recommend The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror 2, which aired in 1991, and the very first part of the episode is Lisa's Nightmare, which is also based off of the monkey's paw. And it's, it's really good. It's really funny because it's a different take on it. I mean, this one doesn't have allusions to death like most versions do. This one is pretty much the Simpsons family making terrible choices and having to live with the consequences. Of course, you have Kang and Kodos <laughs> coming in and doing terrible things to everybody until they are stopped with a board with a nail in it. And it ends with a very fabulous allusion to more Twilight zone -y sort of stuff where, oh, the humans will just keep building bigger boards with bigger nails until they destroy themselves. Well, Kang, it seems the Earthing won, did they? That board with the nail in it may have defeated us, but the humans won't stop there. They'll make bigger boards and bigger nails. Soon they will make a board with a nail so big it will destroy them all. <laughs> It's easily one of my favorite. I know Jody doesn't really like The Simpsons. I know. It's really. Just that was a solid plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I, I should make you watch it. I really love it. It's one of my favorite segments because it's so funny, especially when Homer's freaking out about his turkey sandwich and he's like, the turkey's a little dry. The turkey's a little dry. No! 
But yes, stopping an alien invasion with a nail with a board in it. (laughs) Until they destroy themselves. Yep. (laughs) Alright, on that note, uh, I of course have the, the given The Monkey's Paw, the original story that this is based off of. Uh, the original Monkey's Paw was written by W.W. Jacobs in 1902, and it featured in a collection of short stories called The Lady of the Barge. Uh, the story itself is about the White family, uh, Mr. and Mrs., and their son, Herbert, and a um, Sergeant Major Morris that has come to visit them. Uh, Major Morris is having a horrible time, and he's talking about the Monkey's Paw, a relic that gives three wishes to whoever its owner is, but they always are come at a price. Um, tend to be fairly horrible. He tries to throw the relic in the fire. The Mr. White goes, takes the relic back out, bids Mr. Morris a uh, fantastic night. So rather, it continues with uh, Mr. White trying to make wishes and each wish having a more and more aggressive circumstance. He wishes for money to pay off his house. He gets the wish granted with his son dying, and that death claim, uh, the life insurance, being provided back as the exact amount he needed. Um, He wishes for his son back. His son's been rotting in a grave for the last week, and as his son's coming back to the door, um, his wife pleads, Mrs. White pleads with Mr. White to to rescind the wishes, and eventually he uh, ends up wishing the paw away, wishing his wishes over, and that is what ultimately ends the story. It is a much more graphic and better telling, of course, of the story as it is a much more adult tale, the circumstances and the consequences of the actions taken in the story are much more dramatic. So uh, if you like this watered-down version, certainly read the original. Um, You can easily find it online right now. Or you can listen to the original. There are plenty of podcasts out there that have reread it because it's public domain. One adaptation that I sincerely suggest is from an episode of the No Sleep podcast in which they retell it in an audio drama style. And that is uh, season four, bonus episode number two, which is called Halloween Hangover. And it is excellent. You should give it a listen. That's it for this week's episode. And with that, I now declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Feel free to email us at areyouafanofthedark at hotmail.com. Are You a Fan of the Dark is all one word. You can also visit us at Are You a Fan of the Dark Pod on Facebook. And we also have our Midnight Society fan club where you can submit your own memories or even just comments about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And you can visit our show notes at midnightsocietyfan.club. <laughs>